Brooklyn Bites. Hello, we're back once again. Episode 19. That's right. We're going to start off with a very somber episode with a lot of bad news. <laughs> Is it really bad news? There's some bad news in there. Do you want to start off with the bad news or should we start with some good news first? Um, why don't we start with what we've been planning? Okay, that sounds good. That seems reasonable. <laughs> This way, it's a little, little, more, little happier. What have you been playing? Um, well, as predicted, <laughs> or as or as previewed, um, I played uh, World of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. For it's like the month of Mickey for you. I don't know how it happened, actually. Well, I, I do know how it happened. It, it it started because I picked up the you know the Castle of Illusion remake. Oh, the modern okay. reimagining of of the game, and I thought, well, I, I you know I got this new game and I, I'm I was interested in getting it, but I haven't played the old one, so let me start with that. And you know, I I started playing um, you know the Genesis version, and then I realized it was a Master System version that was not the same game, and then I played that and kept uh, kept up with the series. I wanted to see where you know I wanted to get just, the full historical perspective. Just the illusions, though. Not the other Mickey games? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, this is... I feel like this is, like, the core series. Was there ever an arcade Mickey game? Mickey Mouse uh, arcade? I'd have to look that up. Oh, I don't know. Wonder. I can't think of one. As you tell your review, I'm going to research this. <laughs> I'm very curious. All right. Well, um, like we said, this is um, this came out for the Genesis in uh, 1992. Mm. This was uh, developed and published by Sega. And um, this one's a little bit different from the previous ones. Um, in this one, uh, you can play as either Mickey or Donald. You could, you could be either Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck in the game. Um, and it even has a co-op mode, where it's a two-player mode. Two players can play at the same time as either character. Well, you know, one, really? the, one player picks one character, the other, one player picks the other. So you can't do two Mickeys, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But you could do Mickey and Donald. Or if you're playing single player, you pick either one. Um, so I started with Mickey because, I don't know, I, I felt like that was more consistent with the previous games. Um, it starts off with Mickey and Donald working on their magic act. They're magicians, apparently. And uh, Donald trips and finds a magic box and, you know, chaos ensues. And they're off on their adventure. Um, and plus, you know... The way the story is presented, it's Donald Duck's fault anyway. That the whole reason they're in this mess is because of his clumsiness. The dumb duck. <laughs> Typical. Never uh, trust the duck. So, I, in the first stage, you know, you're, uh, of course, in a forest. Just like the other game started. Hmm. <laughs> um, this one's a bit of a flowery theme. Um, you know, it looks pretty nice. Uh, nice cartoon graphics that, you know, you would expect from a Genesis game of that era. Um, some nice parallax scrolling. But the most striking thing that I find right away is that the butt stomp is gone. No more butt stomping. Really? Yeah. Why would they do that? You can jump, uh, you know, over things, but your attack is um, uh, waving like a magic cape or like a, a sheet or hmm. something like that. So you, you basically you attack enemies by swatting out this this cape in front of you and it mm-hmm. hits them and has some kind of effect. Um, 
So it can uh, cause enemies to sort of turn into flowers or animals or other creatures. Like, you know, just like you're basically you're hitting them with magic and they become harmless. You know, okay. that's, that's the effect that you're supposed to have. Um, but the thing is, like, if they're too far away, like the magic will hit them and they'll just kind of freeze and flicker a little bit. But they won't actually be defeated. So that like that effect will wear off after like a second or two after, you know, if you don't do anything. So it just stuns them? Kind of. It's, it, of. it acts like a stun. But some enemies require multiple hits, too. You know, so sometimes you'll hit them once or twice and they'll get defeated. But then, you know, you, have, you might have to hit it like a third time or something like that. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's basically a similar type of environment as the previous game. Um, you know, you enter like a tree trunk at some point and uh, there's like these big spider webs all around. Uh, and it leads to, you know, basically the first boss fight, which is with a giant spider. And it's, like, super easy. It's like a complete pushover. There's barely anything there, a, a, much of a fight at all. Basically, this giant spider comes down, and you just, you know, use that sweeping attack. And you hit him a couple of times, and then you're kind of done. And he's not much of a threat at all. <laughs> hmm. um, you're given, like, a chest. You win, like, every time you defeat a boss, you get, like, this magic chest that opens up. And, uh... It, it it sort of gives you, like, there's, like, a magic book inside the chest, and it gives you some magical information. And in the first case, you, you get um, a, a magic flying carpet as a result of that. You know, like, you're, you're taught, like, well, here's how you control a magic carpet, you know. And every time you summon this magic, um, you hear a voice sample being played. They, they say Alakazam. <laughs> Who says that? Well, whoever you're playing as. Either, oh, okay. e- either Mickey or Donald. And it's, like, super scratchy. I mean, you know what Genesis sound samples oh, really, sound like. Oh, really? Really low res? <laughs> yeah, it's, like... Nice. It's really um, noticeably low res. But <laughs> I guess that's typical. Uh, so you're off into the next stage after that. You're, like, flying in the clouds. And, you know, it's um, you're, you're kind of dodging wind. Like, there's, like, tornadoes and stuff spinning at you. Um, and you know, you're collecting, you know, there's like a a lot of magic cards floating in the sky. This is like a theme throughout the game. It's all like magical stuff because it's all like uh, stage magician related things. Um, at a certain point you land on like a piano keyboard in the sky. I don't know why Mm. there's a piano keyboard just floating in the sky made of like cloud material. Wasn't that in the first game also? There was a piano. That's okay. true, <laughs> but it doesn't explain why it's made of clouds. But, oh. but yeah, I'm, I should. And it, be, play, it plays notes, right? When you you run across it and it plays notes, and um, in this one, like basically, you get either you just you, you do see random notes, but sometimes you see like like either like bonus items popping up, and then sometimes you see bombs popping up. So you have to kind of like obviously avoid the bombs. Um, the next boss is pretty simple too. It's like this, like fire-breathing dragon type thing it's like a it's like a stone idol that's like drops like what look like pots and then they become like uh, dragons or something um super easy again like real pushover um the next magical ability you get is you 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 are able to create like a giant air bubble that you can go into and this allows you to go under the under under the sea like go underwater and that's what the setting for the next stage is it's total underwater type setting um, now this one, there's really not much combat. It's mostly avoiding stuff. You just have to avoid obstacles and, and enemies. Um, so there's really nothing to attack in, in this p- 
portion until you get to like a uh, a sunken ship. It's like a big like one of those old style like wooden galleons. Um, and you're able to enter the ship. And then once you're in the ship, then it's kind of normal again. Now that it's like air filled for some reason and you're able to walk around. <clears throat> uh, have you uh, played this game at all, by the way? Do, I have, do you remember this game? but um, it's not, yeah, and I don't remember it too well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have as many memories like as I do the first game. Uh-huh. I don't remember liking it as much. Yeah. I, I wonder if it was as popular in general. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to imagine if this... Uh... I, just, I remember like it just not feeling as refined. Mm-hmm. Like with the animation and the graphics and everything. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a change compared to the first game. Um, but yeah, so like in the, in the ship, uh, the main boss is like this shark. There's like a chomping shark. (laughs) He like kind of lurks under the floorboards and then he occasionally comes up and tries to attack you. Um, and that's, that's, this is like the first boss fight that's like somewhat challenging. Um, cause you see the fin going back and forth. His fin is like sticking through the, the wooden boards as he's going back and forth and uh, occasionally he'll go off the screen or like the fin will sink and then he'll jump up into the air and like hit, try to hit you as you're you know walking around and that's actually a good chance to hit him because it's easier to hit him when he's doing that because uh, the other thing that he does is he'll he'll like uh, go back and forth on the screen and that's like a little more challenging to hit just because he'll his speed changes while he's doing that too like seemingly randomly like it's not that easy to to hit him that way so you have pretty much a better chance if he's jumping. Um, but, you know, in the end, it's still pretty doable. Uh, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember that boss. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of fun. Um, but the next one, you sort of, once you beat him, you exit the ship, and then you go back up to the surface, and now you're kind of like what looks like a library or like a study in a house. And you're next to like a fishbowl. Which has like a little castle, like a little uh, undersea castle in it, and it almost looks like you know whatever just happened to you underwater was in that fishbowl. Mm. You know, hmm. that's like kind of the implication. Um, and so now it's like a total change of environment. You have kind of like rubber stamps and these weird bird-like creatures as your enemies. They have like uh, quill pens or compasses for for beaks. Like a compass is that. That thing that draws circles in math class. Oh, right, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you remember. That type of compass. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. that compass. Um, and then you have, like, staplers that are, like, trampolines mm. and stuff. So you're, like, kind of miniature. You almost feel, like, a little bit miniaturized in this setting. Um, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but pretty bland compared to, like, the previous stage. Um, there is one portion where you end up in, like, a Candyland-type setting. You enter, like... Um, uh, like uh, I think it's a cookie box or something, and all of a sudden everything's like candy based. So there's like gummy airplanes and gingerbread men and stuff like that. Um, and there's one weird portion though where like Mickey like jumps on like a champagne bottle, and like the cork pops off and he goes flying into space and it's almost oh, like yeah. a and it's almost like a bonus stage and you have mm-hmm. to like collect a whole bunch of stuff and uh, it's a classic moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> you remember that part? Yes. <laughs> um. After that, that comes back down. You go, you go back into like the Candyland type of uh, place, and you you go through these like layers of Jello, like you sink through the Jello. Yeah, yeah. And then you—it's like very translucent. It was a cool effect. At the yeah, time. yeah. Um, 
And basically, the boss there is like some type of like witch-looking character. She like flies around. She has like a crystal ball, um, and she does like different attacks based on the color of her crystal ball. So she might have like a lightning attack, or like fireballs or stuff like that. Um, but I beat that one pretty quickly. She didn't really get any of those attacks off. I was able to hit her fast enough, and that was kind of uh, an easy one. Um, and the next portion, you're sort of in an Alice in Wonderland type setting, right? So you have, like, playing cards and stuff, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you, you can basically use your magic to turn them into platforms. So you can, like, use your magic on the cards, and they become, like, stairs and stuff, so you can climb to different areas. <clears throat> um, there's, like, a bonus stage where, um, you... It's like old bells and stuff, like bells hanging from a tree. And once you step on the bell, it starts swinging back and forth. So it's trying to knock you off. And it's like a little more challenging to try to get there. But it's pretty easy to to finish off. And basically, once you're done with that, you you go back to that area. Um, The tricky part there is when you get to the end, there's like giant dice. There's like a row of dice. And they all say, press me on it, right? Mm, right. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of, by chance, try to find the right one to, con- to continue on to the boss battle. Because if you pick the wrong one, you'll, you'll get, well, in one case, you'll get one of those, that bonus stage I just mentioned. Um, but in other cases, you'll get sent back to, like, a previous part of the level. And you have to, like, repeat it again to get to the right one. That's very similar to Gunstar Heroes. Yeah. On the last level, we have the dice, yeah. Hmm. A little bit. Well, in Gunstar Heroes, it's a game board. So when you roll the dice, you move that number of squares, whatever number you get. Uh huh. But um, I wonder if they hmm. pull a little influence from that. Yeah, I wonder. Um, but once you do find the right the right exit, you get to kind of this zodiac theme stage, and uh, there's like this witch floating in front of you, and she's just dropping holes in your path. So you have to like watch out. She just, like creates holes in the floor as you're walking across. Um, further up, there's, like, an, an interesting graphical effect where <clears throat> you have to, like, light up. You, like, basically, are you turning on, like, stage lights? And the enemies are, like, behind curtains. So it's almost like a silhouette effect. Like, you walk behind the curtain, and you see the enemies coming at you, but you don't see oh, the enemy until yes. you turn the light on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you basically defeat them behind the curtain as just, like, a silhouette. So that's kind of cool. And you finally get to the end of boss... Um, who is, um, I guess this character that I've seen before in various Disney productions, but I didn't really know who it was. And I had to look it up. It was, um, this character who's just known as Pete or Big Bad Pete. He's like this black cat sort of looking creature. I I know that one. He's like basically Mickey Mouse's like nemesis throughout a lot of different productions. Um, but you know, he's like, he just looks like a giant magician and he's got these, like, Grim Reaper-type creatures that are, like, spinning around him. And uh, these columns are going up and down. So you have to, like, hop from the, across the different columns. Uh, meanwhile, trying to avoid these Reapers that are flying around. And all you have to do is, like, just swat him in the face enough times and you end up defeating him. Um, and that's kind of it. Pretty, pretty short game. You know, it's only, like, really five major stages. Um, but I guess the the... The replay comes in from the fact that you can play as a different character as well. Um, 
So I did try that too. I actually mm-hmm. went back and, and did another a second playthrough with Donald Duck just to see what the difference was. And um, there are some differences. There are some pretty noticeable differences. I mean, it's mostly the same, but you know, it's not um, like certain stages will will occur for one character, and then the other character will take a completely different path um, to get to the next stage, which is like you know the same for both of them. So, for example, that that champagne cork stage is not present if you play as Donald Duck. Right, okay. You don't get that. Um, hmm. Even in the first stage, um, instead of, like, this flower garden-looking type of stage, with Donald Duck, you get, like, uh, it looks like a beanstalk or, like, vines and stuff, overgrown vines. So it looks completely different there. Um, there's another portion where if you're playing as Mickey, you're going through the, these cliffs that have, like, lightning strikes and, like, a nice rain effect. Um, if Donald plays it, he's basically doing, um, it's almost like, uh, he's on a river, like, uh, with rapids, like, and you have to like hop and jump and like kind of duck through different obstacles. So it's fairly different in some, in some spots. Um, and I, of course I didn't play it in co-op mode, so I don't know what happens if you do that. Couldn't find someone to play. <laughs> um, well, I could have, I could have forced you to do it, but I didn't want to, uh, inflict this game mm-hmm. upon you. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, in general, I, I kind of, um, for the most part, I didn't, I didn't think this game was really worth playing, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that the boss fights are pretty easy, there's just not much challenge there. I, the, the real problem I had is just, I, I just didn't like the attack system in this game. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate that they're trying to do something different rather than the typical, you know, jump on the enemy's head to defeat him kind of a, a thing in most platformers. Um, but I don't know. I just, this variation just didn't work for me. I mean, the pro, like I said, there's some enemies, you know, if, you, if they're too far away, you kind of, you can't tell that you're hitting them or you can't tell if you've hit them enough because basically the effect is the same. Um, whereas, you know, like it, for example, if you have to hit something two or three times to kill it off, while you're doing that, you don't know if it's if you're just stunning him because he's too far, or if you're stunning him because you need to do additional hits to, f- to defeat him. So occasionally, I'll I'll hit something and and feel like oh I've hit this thing enough or I'm close enough to it, but then it'll start moving again as soon as like I, I try to proceed because you know I thought I would have finished it off by then. So it's just not satisfying defeating them that way. I don't know. I guess that's that's my main gripe with it. Um, and in in general with just like most of this series, I didn't really care for the music either, you know, really, um, I did like the, there was like, uh, the music that was used for the underwater stage was kind of like very ambient. So I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was like the one standout track that I liked more than any of the others. Um, but you know, I don't know. I'm going to pass on this one for any future plays, I'd say. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Did you know you played it as Donald Duck also? You did it? Yeah, wow. yeah. I did a full second playthrough. Impressive. <laughs> For a game I didn't even like that much. Yeah. Kind of kind of forced myself yeah, to do I it. Yeah, I remember... I do remember playing it a lot. Because, uh, you know, I, a lot of the things you're saying is definitely bringing back memories. But I think what happened was um, it just was not as good as the first one. And right. like maybe I think that whole butt stop thing was 
a, kind of a big deal breaker for that game. Mm-hmm. Like, it made a big difference that you couldn't do that move anymore as your main... Because, like, even in DuckTales, you almost had the same move. It was that, that downward thrust, you know, attack. Uh-huh. Right. And it just works so well. And then when you have a game like this, where you're expecting to do that and you can't. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well... The fortunate <laughs> thing was, a game was released right before a slew of, like, really famous platformers came out. Uh-huh. So, like, the only game at the time you had that was on the Genesis was, like, Sonic 2. Mm. Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. All the big platformers, like, the mascot character games came one year later. Right. Or two years later, like, the Cool Spots, Earthworm Gyms, Aladdins. Mm-hmm. Um, even Bubsy, if you want to count that. <laughs> All those, you know, those mascot games. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I forgot. It may, maybe, I don't know how it sold. I don't remember. Hmm. Well, I guess um, I'll probably round out the series and see what the final game you looks like. You keep going? Yeah. yeah. What's the final game? Uh, the, well, I guess you could say the last original game for that era was uh, Legend of Illusion. Really? Which was released for the Game Gear. Ooh, okay. Um, so I'm going to see how that turns out. Maybe. Cool. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's always a possibility. You can do it. All right. It's Game Gear. It's probably only two levels. <laughs> Can't fit any memory so in far, that cartridge. So far, I'm going to say I like the Game Gear versions of these games in this series <laughs> better. But we'll see. We'll see if that holds up. Live in Brazil one. with the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> you master system lover, you. <laughs> hey, what can I tell you? These games are. I'm just judging it based on the quality of the individual games. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, so I guess, um, in keeping with the bad news of having less fun with this game, we'll move on to other bad news. Uh, well, I don't really have bad news <laughs> yet. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the game I played, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I played Pix- Pixa. It's oh, which one's this? P-I-X-A. Uh-huh. It was for iOS, and it's a, um... How do you describe it? Um, did you ever play Adventure for Atari 2600? Uh, sure. So it is Adventure for <laughs> for the <laughs> iOS. No way. So what they did was they took the... It's not a, a, a ROM hack or anything like that. They took the graphics. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an homage to Adventure. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a... Um, I guess you could say it's an adventure game. It's pretty... Uh, it's a little bit more straightforward, uh, simplified a bit. Um, you have the same, very similar graphics. You have the castles in different colors. They added some more colors just to make it a little bit more complicated. Uh-huh. And it starts out, um, your character is the square. You know, it's the same exact graphics almost as an Atari game. Cool. Uh, you, you start out as a square, and you have your mom in this room, and she's continually, like, belittling you, like, calling you names, saying you're worthless, uh, you know, I wish you were never born, all these things. So it's sort of like um, The Binding of Isaac, sort of. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, it's, it sort of starts out kind of weird because they don't really explain anything. And you're, like, wondering, like, why your mom is telling you this every day. Yeah. So you venture outside your house, and that's when the game starts. And then you, um, so you're in the game of, of adventure. You go into a warp tunnel, and that starts you into the first castle. And, um, well, the first level, I should say. Mm-hmm. And basically it works the same. So you have to find the chalice. So, um, every, every board, mm. just like the original adventure. And then you bring it back home. 
Um, in this game, because there's so many levels, it's a different item every level. So one level might be like um, a golden amulet. Uh, another one could be a ring, you know, all different types of like jewelry kind of things. And it still kind of matches the the graphic style. Yes, yeah. it's all like pretty like pixel perfect, mm-hmm. but it's redrawn. Like this is all drawn in modern uh-huh. technology. So they they do some come some effects to make it look old. Uh, they kind of like bend the screens at the corner to give it that CRT look a little <laughs> bit. They give it a, also a wavy, like, distortion line. And that that kind of was annoying. You see, like, a faint line, like, the vertical scroll is off. Yeah. And it just goes up and down the screen. So that kind of bothered me. I wish you could shut those effects off. And it has a little, like, blurriness um, to, to it to look like it's like an RF, you know, an RF game plugged into a, a modern TV. So I'm never into those types of effects. I always want my games looking, like, crisp and clean. <laughs> Whenever they do, like, unless it's, like, a flashback or something... Um, I don't like games with, with distorted. I, I want to see everything. I can understand that. But as as the game goes, I thought it was pretty good. It's all swipe action. Uh, you know, it's a little bit to get used to because you don't have a joystick. Um, when you want to pick up something, you have to tap the screen um, to pick it up or drop it. Uh, they have they don't have the bat in the game from the original adventure. They have the <laughs> magnet. They have the keys. They have the swords. The dragons. And then they also added in a new enemy. He's like a giant octopus. Hmm. And so they, they also... Traded, they traded the bat for an octopus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the octopus is... Uh, well, the bat's annoying. I mean, I'm glad. <laughs> At least they're smart enough. To, they're going to take bat. one character out. That bat screwed me over so many times. <laughs> oh, I know. That stinks. <laughs> There's also uh, a crab or something. It's like a crabby guy. Mm-hmm. Also, old pixel. You know, looks like it was from Atari 2600. And the same idea... Um, the stages, there's dark stages. We have just like the candle lit kind of around you effect. So you kind of just see like around your little like, um, you know, like an inch or two around your character. And you have to navigate mm-hmm. through like the maze on each level. Okay. A little bit more simplified than when the original game, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get the bridge still in this game. Um, I'll, I'll warn everyone now, don't don't be funny and try to use the bridge to hack the game and like go into somewhere you're not supposed to. Because <laughs> I did that, and like I said, oh, let me try to cheat and go through to, you know, like how you know that's you experimented with the bridge, mm-hmm. and you used to try to like sneak into other worlds, you know, right. by putting it off the screen. And with this game, if you do that, it crashes the game. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> Doesn't know how to handle that, huh? No. Yeah, I know. It's wow. weird. I don't know how they, that might just be a, a glitch they need to fix. Okay. But uh, one good thing they did fix is if you accidentally drop a weapon in the wall, or if the mag, or if um, uh, I don't know if well, every time you kill a dragon, your your sword goes flying out of your hands. So sometimes it'll go flying off the screen mm-hmm. or something. Um, so if it, that does happen, it's usually in the next screen over. So you just have to go back to that other screen, and then it's like there, it flies into the other screen. Mm-hmm. The stages are also laid out like the original adventure. They're not... uh, They're they're kind of... They're very, like, teleporting screens. So, like, if you look... When you draw a map on on a piece of paper of how these screens are laid out, it's not always on a grid. Right. So it's like, if you make a left on this screen, you're not necessarily showing up on the next screen over. It could be, like, five screens over when Uh when you draw it on paper. Yeah. So it, it does get pretty confusing on the later stages because... You're, you can be in a board with four four ways to go, and each way 
takes you totally in a different spot. It's like if you keep moving right, you could keep going indefinitely because like this exit A goes to like exit A in a different screen and mm-hmm. it's hard to explain, but the good thing is they give you a map. You just have to find it on each level. Well, just about every level has a map. Mm-hmm. So once you find the map, um, you can either take it with you and you'll have it anytime you want. Or if you're like me, I cheated and <laughs> I took a picture of, I, I brought the map up on my screen. I just took a snapshot of it. Uh-huh. So I always had it like whenever I needed it handy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because the map does save a lot of time. The boards are, can get really confusing. Mm. That's a bit of ingenuity there. But. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, if you like the original adventure, then, like, definitely, definitely pick this game up. Mm. It doesn't introduce anything, like, really new or innovative, especially with some of the homebrews of adventure that have been released over the years, which I think were a little bit better than this game. But um, this mm. definitely captures the feel of it. It almost feels like, I would say it's more like Adventure of the Lost Levels or something like that. Okay. Um, the person who made the game is a huge fan of Adventure. That's why they made it. Uh, it's a two-person team, I believe. Um, there is, I think there's some music. Might just repeat. I don't think it's anything special. Uh, there is a, the overall storyline, like that was telling you. Um, so there's a girl who lives next door from you in a pixel house. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil anything, but her father is protecting the girl. And, you know, the story, if you get that far, will work its way out. Uh, every time you beat one of these castles or, or these levels, you take the trophy, you bring it back to your house, and you have trophy rooms in your house. And that, you know, the, the chalice will get put into one of the trophies. Hmm. And, and so you have three rooms of, like, eight uh, trophy cases, and that's where, like, each item... So it keeps saving each item for you. So there's 24 stages initially. Hmm. If you beat the game, there's a little surprise after, and it opens up... Another whole level. <laughs> so I thought I was done after the twenty fourth stage, but no, there's more. There's more after that. The game of game is done, but it's it's a sort of a never ending game because each level is randomly generated. Also, hmm. in addition to everything else. So while which is kind of cool, I didn't realize that until I, I thought it was, but I wasn't sure until I read the website. But yeah, so you're always going to end up with like the same amount of keys and the same castles and the same dragons, but the way the boards are laid out on a map are always randomly generated. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, the layout. So that's kind of cool, because you can't really do the same thing twice. Hmm. That's um, good. Sounds like it's got some uh, replay potential. Yeah, yeah, I would say, if you if you, you know, if you never played the Atari Adventure game, then you might, you might not really get it. This might not make sense to you. You might, you might get bored after the first board, you know? I do like this idea, though. I like this idea of taking like the aesthetic of of a of a more limited kind of game and just doing this grand, like more, uh, big adventure out of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I like I said, the only complaints I would say is that it never really, other than adding more rooms and making like the levels more complicated, maze wise, mm-hmm. it never really like changes. It's pretty much the same game. You're still looking for, you know, maybe they add another color key. Or they add another type of enemy, but it's pretty much the same game. That's really my only complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fighting is was a little bit different now. Like in the original, if you carried the sword and you had to kill a dragon, you just kind of like ran into it and right. then killed him. Sure. In this game, you have to run into it, you know, facing the right way with the sword. 
But then you have to, it zooms in, and you have to do a swipe on the screen. And it gives you, like, an, a, a bar that, like, goes left and right. Uh-huh. And you have to swipe when the bar's in the middle. And that's how you kill the enemies. Oh, you have to do it, like, depending on how strong, because you can power up your character, depending on how, many, how strong you do it, your character is. You know, it might take five hits, it might take ten hits. So it's not, um, you know, they change that a little bit. It's not just a simple run into the enemy and kill him mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, so as the as you go through these boards, you collect coins. And when you go back to your house, you can use these coins to buy either upgrades for your character for his sword. Or you can buy um, space to hold things. So if you want to, if you keep buying, like, inventory spaces. So you can carry, like, three different keys. Oh, so this is your your personal inventory. Yeah, I yeah. See. So you can carry, like, um, the map with you all the time. And then still carry the sword. You don't even have to keep dropping things. Yeah. Hmm. So that comes in kind of handy. You can also increase the speed of your square. <laughs> <laughs> do they ever name the square? Do they, they do, yeah. The name of the square is the name of the programmer for Adventure, the oh. original Adventure. Oh, so that would be Warren. Warren. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So it's definitely, if you're a fan of the Atari 2600 Adventure, give it a try. I don't think it's much money. It's maybe two bucks. Hmm. It's worth it. Cool. Yep. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. You can just play mine if you want. <laughs> Make sure you like it first. <laughs> no, okay. no, definitely give it a try. It might even you can check online if it's there. Might be a web version. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's that's um, more or less the only game I played. I you know I started playing another game, which we'll talk about next week. Okay. Sounds good. Um, let's see. Is there anything that we picked up this week that we want to mention? I did not pick up anything other than my controller. Actually, I, I did start. Uh, you, you picked it up too. Uh, it's free on iOS. It's called. And I think it's on Android too. It's Crossy Road. Yeah. And uh, I kind of having fun with that. It's sort of like Freeway, Activision's Freeway mixed in with a little Frogger. Right. Um, it works with my Bluetooth controller that I got for Christmas, <laughs> so that yeah. was kind of nice. Yeah. But um, it's totally playable without. You don't need a controller for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much just. Just tap to move up a, a, a lane, and then you can swipe forwards and sideways, or back and sideways, if you want to change direction. But if you just want to keep moving forward, you can just tap, and, yeah, and it'll move, and it's pretty fun. I think so. It's got a little like uh, voxel graphics. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, they're like it's like three D pixel graphics, sort of three quarter overhead view. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And um, infinite. Runner, I guess it's called, right? In sort sense. of one of those type of things. Infinite crossing the road running. Yeah, it's good. I would definitely say if you also if you're enjoying those type of if you like Freeway and Frogger, then give this one a try. It's free. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you get you collect coins along the way, and then you can redeem your coins for unlockable characters. You can change up your character, and they also have additional characters for for purchase in app. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could enjoy the game just fine without doing that. If and it's really... all randomly generated as well. So mm-hmm. the levels do change. There's different sceneries, different cars, different characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's nice. Um, it's good to see these like retro games still being <laughs> brought back and reinvented in different ways. Yeah, for sure. And it's on, it's on iOS and Android too. Yep. So you can get it on either one if you have those. 
All right. Well, I guess the only item I picked up, which is nothing exciting, I just picked up a. Um, we had you know our our Nava meeting at uh, Digital Press every month, uh-huh. and uh, we had one this week. And uh, the only thing I picked up from the store was I needed a charge cable. Oh man, that's so exciting! <laughs> I picked up a charge cable for my Xbox 360 charge controller. Wow, uh, with a spare battery too. Well, I had gotten. That's amazing. You know what it is? I had gotten this. You mock, but uh, it's, um, you know, I picked up this uh, uh, rechargeable, you know, like wireless controller for, for 360, <laughs> which came with, at GameStop, but you know, it was the, it was the cool like Chrome one that uh-huh. I, I don't see that often. And uh, it's, that's the one with the D-pad that you can rotate and, yeah, it pops and up. raise up. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be, you know, it looks really cool. I like, I like the look of that one. Plus, you guys, yeah. What are you going to say? <laughs> screwed on that too. a little bit a little because the first one you bought you thought was like perfect yeah and then you took it home you opened it up and it had like a big scratch on it right it like had, a big it had a, paint was missing it was a big gash on it so i <laughs> luckily they had two at the same store so i was able to go back and exchange that it. was that was an omen <laughs> but then i realized it comes with a rechargeable battery but no cable to charge it with and now i mean you know you may have one already if you've you know if you have other rechargeable controllers for your xbox but I always, I always well, have the old style with the yeah, battery compartment. Yeah, that's what I have, the with, old style. With the double A mm-hmm. battery instead of the rechargeable. Um, I didn't even know there was a new style. Well, some came with rechargeables, I guess. And some people might prefer that. I don't well, know. that that version of that controller, the silver one, yeah. did come with the charger originally. With the charge kit, that's right? The it was one. like the plan yeah. charge kit was included. So the fact that GameStop sold it without that kit was kind of like a scummy thing to do. <laughs> well, who knows if it was traded in with the with the with the cable. Still they're charging that price. They're charging that price for any controller, mm-hmm. any wireless controller. So, you know, yeah. I know. It was less than optimal, but mm-hmm. but I finally got one now, so <laughs> I'll be able to enjoy so it. So how much does the controller cost you? Like $55 now? Uh, no. Well, the cable I got was uh, under 15 and then the controller was like 32 Yeah. So, almost 50 <laughs> uh, I saw it cheaper, brand new. I know. We were I know. It was like 40-something, right? 42 uh, At one point? I think it was 35 actually. Oh, no way. Yeah. Wow. That, but that was like over a year ago. What can I do? Well, that's how it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll just stack that on top of the other bad news. Oh, this is so many bad news. <laughs> just gets worse and worse. Where do we want to start? Well, we'll skip over my life, and let's go right into the news. <laughs> All right, uh, well, Sony. How about Sony? Yeah, Sony put out a, a one... You'd one, think it would be good news for Sony, right? For once. But this is this is about the Vita, so... This could be uh, just, you know, the latest in the string of bad news, I guess. Uh, So they've announced that they're going to stop supporting uh, a couple of applications that are available on the Vita. (laughs) Yeah. So um, no more maps, no more, um, you know, uh, I guess they had a feature called Near. (laughs) Yeah, I love love the way you say that. (laughs) I'm I'm assuming. I think that's a separate app, actually. I don't know. And uh, I don't well, have, I don't have a Vita. I'll tell you this much: I have a Vita, and I never use these features. Well, that's what I'm going to say. Is this really bad news? Because yeah, I guess does anyone actually? Uh, yeah, use I, I can't these? imagine anybody using maps on their Vita. But no. uh, but it, I guess it is an option, or it was. Um, I guess the bigger deal is that they're also uh, removing uh, the YouTube app. Yeah, even that though. I mean, it, it is. 
I mean, I don't know. That's a. I, they're kind of telling you, well, you can still use it in the browser. You can still go to the browser and go to YouTube, and it'll still play videos. So that's not a total loss. Um, but remember when Apple did the same thing? Didn't Apple do this at one point? They removed the YouTube app from from uh, iOS. Well, YouTube used to come included as part of iOS. Right. That was like one of the apps that came. You couldn't take it off. It was like part of OS uh-huh. four, I think, or five. And then they removed it, and because of the whole Flash thing, I think that's what it was. was maybe was I don't was? know. Maybe they just I don't know. separating themselves. From I, I th- it was. I th- it felt like it was during that era when Apple was like, "Hey, we're not going to. We're going we're to stop using Google Maps. We're going to introduce Apple yeah. Maps." Yeah, yeah, might have been. And we're going we're to rely less that. on Google services yeah. for our stuff. That was probably the start of it. Yeah. But then yeah, they because ended there was re- no uh, what's that? Well, they they ended up reintroducing a newer version of the YouTube app. Yeah, yeah, not too much later. It was like yeah. less than six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say? No, I don't know. <laughs> I interrupted you. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so no big loss. Yeah, I would say truthful. I don't know. I mean, some people might look at it as like a a bad sign for the Vita, but it's already it's already in dire situations. It really is. Um, but we'll talk about the next thing, which is, um, some losses at Sega of America, which is pretty sad. Yeah. I mean, they're shutting down their San Francisco office Mm -hmm. and that's kind of noteworthy because that's where the whole Genesis campaign against, you know, the 16 bit wars and everything started. Right. So, I mean, obviously just about everyone who works there, what we're, you know, is gone by now from that era, but... It's just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I thought, I didn't know Sega was still in financial, I mean, maybe Sega of America, but Japan is maybe different. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what this does for them, because now they're focusing on mobile. Well, this is what they're saying, right? They're saying yeah. they're, they're streamlining certain areas of operation and they're going to focus more on, um, well, how do they put it? I guess, uh. Uh, PC uh, or online gaming, and um, I don't know. A lot of people take this to mean they're gonna they're, they're exiting like console publishing, but I don't know if that's uh, totally true. Are we gonna have Sega jack- jackpots now? It's gonna be like slot machines with uh, <laughs> Ooh La La from Space Channel Five, and I wouldn't be surprised if that already Space exists. Space Harrier. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I'm assuming they do that kind of business in Japan. Get where three Sonics and you win ten coins. I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, only because, I mean, in Japan, you know, obviously, as part of arcades and stuff, are all these pachinko parlors. And I don't know that they're involved in that business, but I I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be that strange. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll see how that pans out. Unfortunately, some people are going to be let go as a result of this, but... I guess that's just the nature of the business. Yeah, that's that's the game industry. Um, so I guess the next item was that um, joystick was right. uh, going so to be joystick.com wound down. Yeah, part of the big AOL uh, restructuring mm. that happened this week. Right. And uh, yeah, they've been around ten years. Yeah, it seemed like they were a pretty major site in the industry i, I thought so yeah sure I, I check them pretty often um but hey well i guess felt like that's not the direction they want their company to go in now and um joystick was just one of many of, of like these web sort of endeavors that they had going on right 
So it's not, I wouldn't say it's totally like Joystick's fault. It was just, you know, AOL is like cutting loose some things. Yeah, I, I think the one actually as part of that site or as part of that family of sites is another site that I frequent, uh, which is called Massively. Mm. And, um, you know, it's under the joystick banner pretty much. And it uh, specializes in, you know, just online gaming or, you know, massively multiplayer online games. Oh, okay. So that's where the name comes from. Um, so, yeah, I would always check in on what's going on. If you like those type of games, it's was always a good resource. So that's going to be sad to see that go, definitely. My, so my next question is, does anyone even know that AOL was still around? <laughs> <laughs> or that they operated these sites. Yeah, right. I actually didn't know that AOL was operating mm-hmm. these sites. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to think of what they actually do at this point. I mean... Yeah, what do they do? Well, you know, apart from just, you know, providing a dial-up uh, internet for people who, for some reason, don't have broadband. Do they still do that? Really? I, I imagine they might. I, I wonder. I should go there and see on their website if I can actually download, like, the latest AOL for I have Mac no idea, to be honest. I, I, I wonder if that's the case. I know some people even maintain a mailbox there because they used to have it from way back then. I still have my original AOL email address from, like, 1993. Mm-hmm. I still use it. And you can log into it, right, and get yeah, mail uh-huh. and everything, right? Yeah. So... All right, so still, you're, so you're an active. AOL user. Yeah, I am still an AOL user. I just don't pay for it anymore. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the remainder of their business is these days, but I guess this is one less reason to to uh, visit their site. Um, so, I guess the other item in this um, string of, <laughs> of losses or whatever, if you want to think of it that way, is um, Nintendo uh, basically announced a new YouTube plan, right? And I don't know. This is um, this is a way for them to sort of allow people to do videos on YouTube uh, based on Nintendo games because um, they basically had issue with this in the past, right? They feel like, hey, these are our games. You know, you can't just play games and show video from our games and make money off of it and, you know, think that, you know, we're going to be okay with it. They want to be in control of their, their, uh, you know, their intellectual properties. I guess that's how they look at it. Um, they want to make sure people are seeing the things they want people to see. Right. Yeah. Which it, to me is a little bit strange, but in, in this current environment where everything is exposed, you know, where people are sharing it. Nothing's private anymore. You know, everything's public. It mm-hmm. is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, and basically, um, they're saying that, you know, in order to be able to earn money on your videos, you know, you have to you have to register specific videos or register your entire channel. Um, individual videos um, can be, uh, can earn up to 60% of advertising. And then if you register your channel, you get a little more. You get 70%. So I guess if you register your channel, that means all your videos are going to be Nintendo-related and subject to Nintendo's approvals. Mm. So mm. I don't know what to make of all of this. I, I think... Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I don't do much streaming. Yeah. And if I do, it's not Nintendo stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that affects even like live streaming. It's all it's all subject to that stuff, I guess. 
And does it like what is it? Is it just like Wii stuff, like current, or does it even go back to their original eight bit? Uh, that's a good question. Huh? I don't know what their guidelines are. Um, but you know, I guess it, to me it seems strange though to, to to have to want this level of control. I mean, shouldn't your games speak for themselves if they're good? Like if you sure. stand by your product and you feel like you're putting out the best games possible. Why do you feel the need to to control the message and to, to for what people are, you know, they'll they'll play your game and they'll enjoy it and they'll say whatever they have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know to say that like you have to now clear it with them. I don't know. I guess that gives them a, a sour taste on people's mouths there. I don't know. Yeah, it gives them a, a level of control there, and I think a lot of um, the bigger YouTubers. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you are probably going to say, well, I'm probably not going to bother. I'll probably just... There's too many games out there to play, and if I don't play, you know, three or four Nintendo games a year, I won't won't really uh, be missed among all the other games I'm playing. Um, I don't know. It seems like they should be taking the opposite approach. They should be... Well, especially if you're struggling right now in the industry, you know, mm-hmm. and you want to get this... You, you know, these products in as many people's hands as possible and exposure. You need the exposure as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And you have the the fan base to do this. Like, of right. all the companies, Nintendo has, like, the hardcore fans, you know, who are willing to stream, you know, any one of their games at any point, any part of the day, you know. And now Nintendo wants to stop this from happening or, or at least put restrictions on how this can happen. Right. This is still weird. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anytime there's money involved, I think that's the key issue there. Yeah. They feel like, well, if you're profiting off of our games, we want a piece of the action. <laughs> you know? Sega tried doing the same thing. Right. Well, Sega was more, I think, a, a bit more restrictive on the whole yeah. thing, right? They were, shutting, they were just shutting people down outright. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how that went about either. Right. I don't know if that is still going on or if that was just a one-time thing. Right, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people say, well, any kind of promotion is good promotion, whether it's positive or negative, because sure. it's keeping your your brand in yep. in the minds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now if you're giving people a hard choice and they might choose to opt out, opt out completely, I don't know. Uh, it kind of diminishes your footprint a bit. Yep. Um, but I guess we'll see where it goes and... See if people actually buy into it in a big way, or whether Nintendo's policy has any impact on the actual content. So I'll be uh, looking for videos soon to see what changes come about because of this. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I guess um, there's also another bit of Nintendo-related news. Yeah, really. <laughs> so apparently there is a, um, a a new exploit out there. For the 3DS, mm-hmm. that will allow you to load uh, Game Boy ROMs of your choosing from your SD card on your 3DS. Um, so apparently, I guess this uses you know a virtual console game that you may already have, um, and there's basically a trick that allows you to you know to to basically you know trick it into loading a ROM of your choice. And uh, I guess this is kind of cool for some people, if it's uh, something you want to do. It's kind of like, I mean, they had a similar hack on the iOS platform where you could 
similarly, you could install a developer version of an app off a website. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a loophole. Yeah, there is there is a website involved in this one, too. Yeah, and it works almost the same way. Except on, this, on the Nintendo, you have to actually load the virtual console first before you can load your actual ROM. But you still need a website to be hosting this ROM or game that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so, I guess it's cool. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, this one is, is apparently... It allows you to just, um, you know you're loading it from your SD card. So the, the website allows the code to be inserted on. Oh, it's just the code. Okay. Onto the, onto your 3DS. But then we well, still have the, don't you have to still visit the website every time? Uh, I don't know if it's every it, time. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I guess, um, you know, you can be sure that Nintendo's going to patch this anyway. <laughs> It'll probably be short lived. Don't update your firmware. <laughs> right. Right. Be careful. Well, that's the usual response. <laughs> Um, so I think the next thing was, there's, um, speaking of modders, <laughs> speaking of modders, yep. um, as we know, like, uh, Resident Evil has been released recently, an HD sort of update to the yeah. original Resident Evil game. You know what I hate about Resident Evil? I hate those loading screens where <laughs> like those doors. For, I hate that. <laughs> you hate those so, doors, right? That takes, yeah, that's like, just takes all the, the fun out of the game. So apparently other people are on board with that line of thinking because some modders have decided to go into the game and uh, basically remove the door animation. Well, here's my question. <laughs> Why the heck are those doors still in the game in this modern remake? Mm-hmm. The, the only reason why they were in the original was to cover up the loading time because Sony had restrictions on you right. couldn't have a stagnant screen when a game loaded. You had to have some kind of animation. So that was there. Is that right? Yeah. There's really? a shortcut. No way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess some people are just, they're nostalgic for doors. I mean, they're... Yeah. <laughs> they're we want our doors. <laughs> they, they feel that's part of the, uh, the the tense atmosphere that the game creates. You're, you're kind of, you're not sure what's going to be on the other side of that door when you open it. So just by lingering on that door just a little bit longer, you know, kind of kind of yeah. builds the suspense a little bit. You disagree? Very much so. <laughs> I'm with you. I think I, I, I'm. I'm. I mean, maybe after the first, you know, two or three doors, you kind of get the idea. But I don't know. Every time, it's a little too much. So I say this is a positive change. <laughs> Thank you for modders. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like it, don't apply it. Now, this only works on the PC version, right? I'm assuming so. Okay, I don't think you can mod the. PS4 or I think it's on Xbox One. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, I guess one of the perks of the PC platform. You can go cool. in and change files and do things. Nice. Uh, but you know, I guess um, speaking of PS4, <laughs> I heard there was a pretty pricey one recently. Yeah. How about would you pay a hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars for a PS4? Uh, now, is it the anniversary PS4? Not only is it the anniversary PS4, it's the zero 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 one. It's number one. Of... Number one on the assembly line. Uh huh. Sony. I guess Sony held this one. Up. You would think like. Sony would keep this one, like, in their archives or something. Well, I guess they did have it, but then they're, they're basically, they put it up for charity auction. Yeah. On, um, I guess, uh, in Japan. This is, this was a Japanese Yahoo Japan, uh, based auction. 
um, which if you don't know, Yahoo auctions in Japan is, it's is big, right? It's, yeah. that's like the main auction website. Yeah, it's not website. like eBay. We don't, they don't, eBay's not big there. No, right. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that's one thing that Yahoo's good for still. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty cool because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, there are, there are ways of trying to bid off of that site as well. If On Yahoo? If, if you're, if you're based in the oh, US. Oh, if you want to like snipe some Japanese goods. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good source. There used yeah. to be another one too. Like, um, something with W maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I know that one. Okay. Hmm. So this one went for, like we said, $128,000. Mm. That's pretty insane. I mean, I guess that's pretty cool that. Somebody wants to give that money to charity, but man, that's that's one expensive PS4. <laughs> now, if you, if would you take that out of the box at that point? Do you break the seal? I think you. I don't know. I guess. How do you know there's not a brick in there? Well, if the box isn't broken, then nobody will ever know that. Hmm. It'll be a mystery. <laughs> X-rays, a, maybe. Keep it a mystery box. There was another interesting auction out there, I think. Yeah, so you can get in on a little action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so apparently there was a um, um, a prototype uh, Sega console that was also up for auction recently. Yeah. Uh, it's still actually there as of this um, recording. But it's, um, it's, it's basically the Sega Saturn Pluto console. This was a redesign of the Saturn. Um, it looks doesn't look anything like the the mainstream console that was released it has sort of a a more rectangular shape and kind of a flatter profile and i think the only real difference was that it was, it was going to have the netlink modem built in mm. that was the only real change to the hardware Otherwise, never was released never was actually released um the one that's currently up for auction is a non-working prototype so it's just a plastic shell of the console uh, there were working versions of the console that were previously up for sale or for auction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what those went for, uh, but this one is currently listed at a buy it now price of $10,000. 10000 with three declined bids as of the recording yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's also the make an offer button is enabled on that. And yeah, so yeah. They, they had three declined offers. I would have assumed they would have gotten a lot more by now. Uh, just offers in general? Just offers, well, yeah. Maybe I should just offer 500 I don't know what those declined bids are. I don't know. It's true. Um, so now this, this is not working, so it's just an empty plastic shell, really. Correct. Yeah. Um, now, I wonder, like, with these proto... Like, like what do you, how do you put a value on this? Especially, like, okay, so we don't know how many of these exist in the world of these things. This could be the only one. It, of this kind? Yeah, it could be. It could, it could very well be. But... In a world of 3D printers, you could probably... Pr- well, yeah, you sure. You could make a duplicate of this pretty easily. Yeah. Certainly, there's no problem in recreating this So I wonder, do you think that shell. kind of takes the value out of stuff like this? Um, I knowing that you can kind of recreate it? Especially that it's not working, there's no internals or anything? I mean, personally, I would say no. If this thing is as a, if, if it's authentic, which it appears to be. So just knowing that it came from the factory and it was in, you know, the president of Sega's hands. It came or from the offices of Sega. It was, it, it, was, it does hold more value. value. It was owned by a former employee. It has a story behind it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I think is the significant part of it. Like the fact that, you know, it, it hmm. came from 
I mean, it's, a, it's an actual prototype that was used. I wonder. Um, I wonder what most of the people think about that. Yeah. Like, you know. I'd be curious, too. I the, mean. The collector mentality, I can definitely say, you know, they'll definitely want this one and probably pay a decent amount. But I think, like, the average person, even going to a museum, if it just said, like, this is a, you know, a, a recreation of the original Pluto, you know, system, they probably don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh... So I'm wondering if you really do need to spend that much money. Only if you want to own a piece of history. That's really, yeah. I think, all it... That, I think that's where the value is. I guess there's enough people who do that, because look at those Atari ET cartridges. <laughs> those sold for a ridiculous amount. Yeah, well, um... I guess related to that... What is another little bit of uh, another another Sega related item? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Sega dominating our news. <laughs> this is crazy. Three news articles. Yeah, some good, some bad. Um, but this is a, this is a I'd say good. This is an interesting uh, option for people who are um, in the business of making their own pirating their games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Is this a good option for for pirating a game? I, it doesn't seem like it. No, it's like a cost so. effective way of doing <laughs> no. it. Um, so, uh, Cricks, I don't know how, how you actually say it. Um, but basically the maker of the EverDrive carts has a new option on their site, um, for a reprogrammable, uh, Mega Drive cartridge or Genesis cartridge kit. Um, so basically you have the option now to have like a single board that you can write a ROM to. So let's say if you're working on a homebrew game or a repro or some unreleased game, um, this gives you the opportunity to basically build a cartridge. Um, you get a board and you get some uh, memory on there. And I think, what is it, $8 or $9 for the board? It's uh, 9 bucks, yeah. And you also need to have a programmer to be able mm. to write the contents onto the cart. Um, and that's another $58. Okay. But if you're going to be in this business, that seems like just part of your startup. Oh yeah, cost. I mean, if you program a game and you want to distribute it, yeah. So it costs you the initial cost of the burner, mm-hmm. or whatever they call it, and then there's each cart would be like nine bucks, right? And then you still have to buy the cases to put. You need the, a shell, to, yeah, to so that, put them in. But you can buy and labels and whatever. That else could be like a dollar, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Label. I mean, it all, I guess it all costs money, but right. But for nine nine bucks for the board itself doesn't seem that bad. I have no idea. I don't know what they go for. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but if you're going to sell a, a new game for I don't know, whatever they cost, thirty bucks, forty bucks, for like a homebrew, yeah, I think they go for more than that. Do they? Well, there was that last one that just came out. Um, shoot, that RPG for Genesis. Oh, Pure Solar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like sixty, I think. Uh huh. Fifty maybe sixty. Yeah. Well, they they put a lot of work into that. Yeah, that was a couple. Yeah, that was a long and, time. And um, I mean, you know, I don't know what their material costs are, but uh-huh. but this doesn't seem like a bad option if you're going to do it yourself. Yeah, I don't know how they did it before. Like, I don't know, is this a better or worse? Mm. I'm not sure. It's cool though. But yeah, as a copy device, it's maybe not the best option. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is much less functional than an EverDrive. Now, you can buy this already or something similar to it on At Games website. Mm-hmm. At Games makes the flashback, Genesis flashback. Okay. So it's a cartridge. They make a cartridge, and I think it has an SD port on it. 
But the cartridge, for some reason, only takes one game at a time. Uh huh. So you can't load more than one game on it. Really? Yeah, it's a limitation. So um, I don't know. I don't know many more details, but you, that's also another option in case you just want to mess around with you know homebrew games and stuff on, on an actual Genesis. Mm-hmm. And it's about the same price too. It's like ten, fifteen dollars. Okay. Well, keep in mind this one does require you to have that programmer. True. Yeah. So unless you're that's right going to be pumping out a lot of these, I don't think that's a economical no. option. <laughs> Um, but cool nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and I guess I had one more item to bring up. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I caught, um, a notice of this, uh, user on Etsy that they have a shop. Uh, this user goes by, uh, Fincia, I'm going to say. It's spelled F-Y-N-S-Y-A. Okay. And this is a, I guess, an artist, we're going to say. Do they use that word for 3D printers? Um, I suppose so. This is a person who uh, creates um, various Raspberry Pi cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but the w- interesting ones that they make is um, one in the shape of an Atari 2600. And it's very adorable. It's <laughs> it's pretty neat. It's, it looks really tiny and looks... Uh, I don't know if that SD slot, if that card slot is functional or not. They say it, it acts as an SD card holder, but I don't know if there's an actual hmm. reader that can be used there. It's hard to chat, to tell the judge of size in these photos. Well, they're really tiny. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, the Pi board itself is not that big. How big is the Pi board? Isn't it about the size of an Ouya? It's like it's like it's like three by three, maybe. It's yeah, it's or smaller. It's in measured in in single digit inches, I guess. Hmm. Pretty small. Um, there's another one that is, looks like an NES type of case. It has the flip-top lid that uh-huh. exposes USB ports. Right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It looks pretty pretty interesting. This reminds me of that little Atari 800 that we sure. talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely keeping... I like these 3D printers. Uh-huh. These are pretty cheap. Um, I think uh, most of them are priced in... In British pounds, but it's nine ninety nine uh, uh, in pounds for the uh, twenty six hundred case, and it's twelve ninety nine for the NES case, and that works out to about fifteen dollars and forty three cents US. That's not bad. Uh, or twenty dollars and six cents for the twelve ninety nine one. That Amiga one is cool because I don't. I never saw the Amiga three thousand before. <laughs> yeah. So the one, the, the other one that it's like a Wii almost. <laughs> the one. Well, the three thousand. Yeah, there's another one being offered on the site, and it's a you know an Amiga 3000 style case. And personally, the 3000 is the best looking Amiga to, to me. I yeah. like I like the very clean, very compact, um, nice lines. It's it's probably the the best looking Amiga to me. Um, so, you know, I think this lends credence to it the fact that this is the only one that he's offering that's an Amiga um, on that case on that on that site. Uh, and that's also priced at twelve ninety nine. Um, now this person is based in the UK. Uh, it looks like he only ships to the UK and other European countries. So it says ships to, you know, the UK or mm. and the European Union only. So we're kind of. Uh, but I'm gonna right I'm gonna look and see if it changes huh. at some point and see if he'll include overseas shipment. But if anybody is in those territories, they can. Perhaps look for this one. 
if this interests Interesting. Them. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Is that now? Is that the only ones they make, or he's, does he have other ones? He's got other stuff on the site. But I have these to were see. the ones that are gaming related. I never thought about looking on Etsy for that. So I wonder if anyone makes an Ouya case. I like think that looks. Well, if you if you do have your own 3D printer, I think the plans are available. Oh, okay. You can yeah. download the file and print it yourself. If uh, you're, I'm not that cool. I don't if you're so inclined. Mm-hmm. I have an old inkjet that. <laughs> Barely prints photos. Yeah, yeah. Like one of those 2D printers. Right, this requires one of those new, these newfangled 3D printers. Mm. <laughs> you have an Amiga, don't you? Uh, I do. How is that, Joe? Hook I, it up. I have multiple Amigas. <laughs> multiple ami- Amigos. <laughs> Not Amigos. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, I've used them. Hmm. Um, not currently hooked up, but I do have a 3000 in particular. Um... It's it's uh, not the best choice for gamers if you're into gaming. Oh, the Amiga's not a good gaming uh, it, machine. No, the Amiga in general is 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 great, but the the three thousand in particular oh. um, is is I wouldn't say it's the best choice, but you know it's uh, it's just my favorite uh, in terms of design. That's why that's why I really got mm. it. Does it still use that same like it was a DV nine controller port? On it that like Atari used in Genesis. Uh, it does. I think there's two button support as well because hmm. the CD32 controller did have two buttons. Um, but yeah, it's definitely um, you know. I mean, I haven't done anything to modernize my Amigas like a, a lot of people that still use them. There's a lot of options well, out I don't there. Know, where you put like LEDs on it or something? Uh, well, What's you know, SD card readers, things like that. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's like uh, floppy drive emulators wow. and stuff to make it much easier to move software hmm. onto your Amiga rather than having to load from actual floppy disks or or trying to get it onto a network or something like that. Huh. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to set that up sometime. <laughs> okay. But I think we've... Hit the end of the road for now. Yeah, I have nothing else. Me neither. So, no feedback this week, but keep sending us messages, and we will read them on the air, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely reach out to us on Facebook, or WordPress, or iTunes, or wherever else you see us. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.